Welcome to another fireside chat. We're glad to uh, be back, uh, and uh, we're uh, also thankful just to the Lord for just caring for us over these several months, and and we're also thankful to the brothers for uh, being uh, willing to join us again. Uh, we, you know, we realized or learned <clears throat> that uh, since we started doing these, we've received uh, actually well, well over 500 questions. So um, we can't respond to every question, but uh, the brothers have had a lot of fellowship over the questions we are going to be uh, addressing tonight. And, you know, as, as we've said in the past, this is a Q&R, uh, question and response, not a Q&A, uh, because outside of matters of the truth, we don't have the answers. We just have responses, and we have to trust that the Lord himself will be the unique answer to us. Uh, but I just have to say I was able to be a fly on the wall as the brothers were having fellowship over these uh questions, and I'm really just looking forward to what the Lord will speak to us tonight. Uh, so with that, I'm going to turn it over to Trevor. Hey. Hi. Okay. So um, there's no need to delay any longer. We, we should just start. Okay. I, I'm excited. It's been over a month. It's time to get back um, to the fireside chat. Okay, so this first this first question. Oh, hey, wait, we sorry, real quick. I just do you want to mention who's with us? Because I, I realized we didn't. I forgot. I could I could mention who's oh, with us. Okay. Um. So if if you haven't noticed already, uh, those with us right now are uh, Peter Welk, who is uh you know he's he's a uh, he's a repeat uh, guest. He's normally in Kiev, Ukraine, but um, currently he is, uh, you're, you're in Washington, right? Yeah. Okay, he's in Washington right now. And then we, we have uh, Ray Mulligan. And uh, Ray is also a repeat uh, uh, guest. And you're, are you in Dublin still? Yes. Okay, you're, okay I didn't know if, if you had escaped the island uh, recently. <laughs> Uh, and then we and then we have uh, uh, Willie Wise. So and Willie, where where are you right now? I'm also in Washington. Oh, okay. State. We have a lot of Washington people on this. I, I like it. Um, so the these are the three panelists tonight. And actually, um, let's just I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to Peter. He's he's gonna be my first uh, question. And this first question is as follows. Uh, it says, I am confused why the saints say that Christ is all we need or that Christ is the solution to every problem. Isn't that a lie? As humans, we need a lot of things, health, food, etc. Is it incorrect when saints say Christ is all we need and that he is the solution to every problem? If you do believe, if you do believe that Christ is all we need and that he is the solution to every problem, can you provide an 
explanation or examples from your experience? Wow. Well, you know, I, I, this, uh, this is, I, I like this question on one hand, on the other hand, I don't like this question, but I, I you know, I just, uh, I would just like to say that, uh, uh, from the very get go, uh, that, uh, I sh certainly am a person who believes that Christ is all all that we need and i certainly believe and have witnessed and experienced that he is the solution to every problem um but i, I would just like to start out by saying this that you know brothers and sisters this is what we're 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 fighting for you we're fighting for all of you that uh, that you would know Christ. It is the first aspect of the Lord's recovery. This is what the Lord's recovery is all about. The first aspect of the recovery is the recovery of Christ as everything. And the this question is an indication this person does not know Christ or experience Christ. He does not know who Christ is. And so for sure, it just doesn't, well, you know, Christ is, I'm hungry and Christ is not a cheeseburger. I need a cheeseburger. You know, it's, uh, yeah, uh, I think brothers and sisters were, as we like Paul, are, are fighting for you that you would know Christ as everything. Hmm. And to know Christ as everything, you first have to have the revelation of who Christ is. Um, you know, let me read these, uh, let me read these uh, verses from Colossians if I can find them here. <laughs> Now listen to this. This is Colossians 2 1. This is Paul. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea, even all those who have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be comforted, and they being knit together in love mm -hmm. unto the riches of the full assurance of understanding unto the full knowledge of the mystery of God, Christ, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and, and knowledge are hidden. Well, so Paul was struggling for the believers uh, that they would know Christ, they would know Christ as the mystery of God. Okay, hey, first thing is God, let's talk about God. God is a mystery. Right. God is awesome. He is just awesome. Uh, you know, he is the creator. He is all-powerful. 
He is eternal. Uh, he is the creator of the universe. And Christ is the mystery of this God. Right. In other words, if you want to know God, you have to know Christ. Amen. Okay. So what are the things that the Bible says about Christ? First thing in, in, in John chapter one is that, that, that all things came into being through him. He is the creator of all things, including you. And uh, uh, in, um, uh, I believe, in, in, yeah, Paul in, um, in Acts, when he's talking to the, uh, concerning the, the idol to the unknown God, he says that, you know, God, that, uh, that, that we, we are created in him, we exist in him, uh, all things cohere in him, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter one, I think it's verse three, it says, all things are upheld by the word of his power. I mean, what is this? What kind of Christ is this? And hmm. in, in, in where we were, first of all, we're created in him. Uh, we, all things cohere in him. All things are upheld by the word of his power. And of course, Christ is everything. Of course he is. And uh, he's our real, he is the, re, he is, he is reality. Christ is reality of all things. I, th I think we've got a hymn, don't we? Don't we have a hymn? Uh, uh, let's see. Um, Christ is the one reality of all. Yeah, Christ is the one reality of all. What 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 hymn is that? Uh, it's um, it's four ninety six. Uh, listen to this. Listen to this. Christ is the one reality of all. Of Godhead, Christ is the reality of the Godhead. Everything of the Triune God. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in him. Okay? So he's the reality of the Godhead. And he's the reality of men and all things else. No man without him ever findeth God. And listen to this. Now listen to this. Without him, man and everything is false. That's is like, oh my goodness. I mean, Christ is the reality of everything. And But the thing is, is that he's given to us, he's given to you as your portion for you to experience him as yeah. everything. Right. And so when you see water, you need to realize Christ is my real water. And subjectively, Lord, I am drinking you right now. Yes, there's the physical water. But the, sh the physical water is just the shadow. It's just the shadow. Just like uh, in what Paul says further in, 
in, in Colossians, he says about letting no one judge you in eating or in drinking or in, or in respect of a feast or of a new moon or a Sabbath. Listen to this, listen, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the body, that is the thing that's creating the shadow, the body is of Christ. So the things, our food, our drink, our water, and it, it's, those things are just the shadow of what the reality is. And Christ is the reality. And in John 14, he's given to us as the spirit of reality. Mm. So brothers and sisters, okay. All right. Uh, that's, here I come. I'm coming back to this. Who's ever, whoever wrote this, this question, I just pray for you that the Lord would strengthen your spirit hey, and strengthen your human spirit. Because all of these things that we're talking about is just, it's just, it's, it's just theoretical. It's in the air. If you don't touch the spirit of reality that is in your spirit, mm. once you touch that reality, everything becomes real. And you realize, yes, Christ is the reality of everything. He is the, rea he is the reality of every positive thing. And like 1 Corinthians says, if you read the foot, if you read the recovery version, you know what the subject of First Corinthians is? It's Christ and his cross, the solution to every problem in the church life. It's a fact. It's a fact. And so all these problems in first in, in the church in Corinth. I mean, to tell you what kind of problems, I mean, every kind of conceivable problem. And Paul, he addresses the problem. He, he addresses the problem head on, whether it's lawsuits, whether it's sexual sin, whatever it is, he hits it right smack. He doesn't avoid it. But as the solution to all these problems, he presents to the saints in Corinth, Christ, and only Christ, as at least 20 items uh, as the solution uh, to their problem. So we're fine. This is a warfare. And this is, this is like, this is frontline number one in the recovery is that you all, all <clears throat> you dear young saints would experience Christ as everything. And this is a fight. This is what Paul says. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. And what a concern, I'm telling you right now, all of us on this, on this Zoom call, what a concern we have for our young people in the churches, mm. that they would be delivered from this objective realm 
This question issues from a person who's not experiencing Christ at all. And that's serious. Oh, what's your future? What's your future? Brother. Huh. Oh, I just got a gospel for you, bro. Jesus is real. Hey. Christ is real. And Christ is the mystery of God. Mm. He's the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Christ. And he is the reality of every positive thing. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord bring you to your portion that God has given you in Christ. Mm. That's all I got to say. So I'm just going to pass it to the brothers. <laughs> I, um, could I add a little something there, Peter, on the kind of toward the end of your portion? When you said 1 Corinthians, the subject, Christ and his cross, the solution to every problem. Right. Uh, the asker of this question says at the end, and I have it in front of me, he says, um, can you provide an explanation or examples from your experience? Mm -hmm. And I would just like to add this little footnote to our brother Peter's speaking. And that is... Uh, not long ago, probably about 10 years or so ago, I had a very real situation where uh, some of the brothers had asked me uh, to do something that I felt um, that I did not know anything about, I should say. Uh, and it was a very difficult situation and they wanted me to, <clears throat> they felt that I should do this. Uh, and the source of the asking, I felt, was from something that wasn't, as far as I humanly was concerned, uh, had my, <clears throat> they, they were, there was a real care for me. Not the brothers who were asking me to do it, but there was a different source. Anyhow, immediately when I was asked to do this, um, I uh felt a little hurt uh I, I felt that this was a little bit offensive again I, I would like to clarify it wasn't the brothers asking me to do this certain thing it was another it was another source and the brothers were only spokesmen um, but it was very difficult for me i felt unappreciated and i thought oh this is not and I'll use this word, this is not very enjoyable. Actually, it wasn't enjoyable. So I did not know what to do. And the initial, <clears throat> excuse me, the initial thing that rose up in my heart was blame, criticizing, hurt, all these things surfaced in my being. And I went home, I picked up this verse and it's in this book that uh, Peter referenced, 1 Corinthians, and it's in chapter two. And I wanted to just at least um, reference this for you because it really solved the inward problem that was cursing, churning in my being and giving me, allowing me no rest. And the verse is this, this is 1 Corinthians chapter two, verse two, and it says this, 
and I'm reading. Uh, For I did not determine to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and this one crucified. The, at that verse was a verse that I prayed for one solid week. I just took this and made it my prayer. And I just continued to say, whenever the thoughts, the hurt, the offense rose up in my being, the, <clears throat> the, uh, the desire to know what, what, what's the source of this fellowship that came to me, <clears throat> excuse me, I decided just to pray this verse. And at the end of a week, at the end of that week, I should say, everything left. I did not have any issues in my being. It really, the word was alive and it operated in me and I had no issues thereafter. And like I said, about 10 years or so. And for 10 years, I have not had any desire to know the source of anything. I just received everything from the Lord. He massaged. Uh, Peter mentioned this verse in Colossians chapter 2. And that was my real experience. My heart was comforted. And I was able to go on in the Lord, with the Lord, for the Lord, for whatever is on his heart. So the real experience is I took the word and it operated and it solved, it resolved, it eliminated the problem that was, that was eating me up actually. And today, no issues, no problem. So he really is the solution to every single problem. And that's just one minor example or small example of him solving the problem in my being. It was very personal for me and it was very intrinsic and it was very effective. Mm. Maybe I'll join the brothers in responding to the question. That's when you you really look at the question and consider what's being said here. the question really indicates, uh, it really issues from the mind, right? Uh, we know based on the word and based on uh, the teaching from the Bible that uh, there is a realm of the mind in which all of us can be snared. But there also, as Peter was indicating, there also is another kind of realm, and this is the realm of the spirit of reality. But to touch this realm and to enjoy the benefits of this realm, we ourselves need to learn how to exercise and enter into the spirit. And uh, really, uh, that's as simple as calling on the name of the Lord turning our heart to the Lord. We can be rescued from so many things that plague us in the realm of the soul, where we have the mind, a very active mind, as reflected in that question, Uh, the emotions uh, that can bring us into all sorts of sadness and depression and emptiness. But yet, what about our spirit? What about the realm of the spirit in which the spirit, the spirit of Christ lives. He's living in us as believers. We are one spirit with him. 
So it really is much to our benefit that we learn to exercise this spirit and to be one with the Lord in our spirit in a practical way. And the reason I related to you this way, I'd also like to share an experience. The questioner asked for an experience in which we could testify concerning uh, Christ meeting all of our needs. And uh, I, I'm, we three brothers, uh, I, I'm, we could relate multiple experiences of this. But I'd like to relate just one. And it was an event that took place 24 years ago. My wife and I had adopted our first child. And some of you on this call may actually know this story, but I'd like to share it because it reminds me of, as Peter said yesterday, how much of a dummy I can be. <laughs> you know, I, we all suffer from this, saints. We all uh, have not yet really learned how much to how much to avail ourselves of the benefits of living in the spirit. And this is just one example in which. I received a phone call one morning and the woman on the other end asked if we would like to adopt a baby girl. And I was shocked and then I began to laugh and she said, why are you laughing? And my, I just said to her, you know, this morning when I got up, I had nothing on my to-do list concerning adopting a baby girl. So she asked, would you pray about it? I said, sure. And she gave, a, gave me more details. We had about a 10 or 15 minute conversation. My wife came home from work. She was working night shift as a nurse. And I related to her this story about the baby girl. And uh, my wife's reaction was that she was really open to actually considering doing this. And I said to her, no, you can't be serious. Because in my mind, once this proposal was given to me, in my mind, I was all over the place thinking about how much we could not do this. The finances, the time commitment. I mean, the idea of bringing a baby into your home and beginning to take care of her just was more than I could even think about. And uh, we were very busy as it was. You gonna wanna add a baby into this mix? So anyway, my wife was there and she said she was open to the idea, but we didn't have too much chance to talk about it. She had to go to bed after working all night as a nurse. But I realized I had a problem on my hands and I needed some ammunition so I could deal with my wife and straighten her out about this. <laughs> this was not a good idea. And I proceeded to try to make a couple of phone calls and I couldn't get through to people. Finally, I got through to a brother who we both respected. In fact, this brother married both of us. And uh, I opened the situation to him and all he said was, brother, I can't really tell you what you should do. You should really bring this to the Lord in prayer. And I said, brother, that's, I didn't say this. I was thinking this, brother, that's really not what I wanted to hear. 
I don't need to hear that. I need, you know, I need some ammunition to deal with my what? Well, anyway, that was it. And so the, I was stuck. And uh, that night we took our son to a baseball game. And for some reason, my wife and son went into the other car on the way back. And I was in the car by myself. And for the first time throughout that day, I really turned my heart to the Lord. And I said, Lord, what do you want us to do? We just give this to you. In other words, I began to touch my spirit. I got out of the realm of the mind. I began to touch my spirit by turning my heart to him. And I can tell you that as I was driving, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, do this. I will take care of everything. So I went home. My wife had to go to work. Again, this was another reason I thought this was too much. My wife is working night shift as a nurse. She had to go to work. The next day she came home. I said, hey, I guess we, we need to call that social worker to let her know what we want to do. Uh, we do want to go ahead with this, right? And she said, well, no, you had some very good arguments yesterday why we shouldn't do it. I said, forget about it. The Lord will take care of everything. And I can tell you, 24 years later, he has. We brought that baby home a few days later. Our daughter's now living in Ohio. And every day, I thank the Lord that somehow he rescued me from my reasoning mind uh, uh, and all my thoughts to just open to him. And I'm grateful to the Lord for that experience. And so I would just say to the writer of the question and anyone else who has a similar kind of question, saints, we are one spirit with the Lord. We need to learn how to contact the Lord in our spirit. Right. Amen. So I'll just give a short, short testimony as well. I've been serving the Lord in Ukraine for the past 21 years. And um, so uh, after a table meeting uh, one, one day, uh, saints were just kind of lingering around and a elderly sister came up and started yelling at me. She said, Maybe you've heard this story before. Have you heard this story before? Anyway, so this sister starts decent. yelling at me. She says, says, Peter, what kind of co-worker are you? What kind of co-worker are you? And what kind of church is this? This sister Luba has been in the hospital for two weeks, and you never called her once. What kind of co-worker are you? Well, this was quite a scene. <laughs> and uh, and all the saints in the meeting hall are, are just looking at this thing and seeing what, what's going to happen, you know. And, of course, you know, I'm responding in my mind, and I'm saying, okay, uh, let's see. Shall I, what should I do? Should I put, put this sister in her place? Um, what, what, what should I do? 
Well, we had just been in the table meeting, and so my spirit was happy, and, and you know, my spirit was happy. So I just went down about, you know, I don't know what, 18 inches, if that's where my spirit is. And I just checked with the Lord. I said, Lord, what should I do? What should I do about this? I just exercised my spirit, which was already working. My spirit was working. Right. And, and the Lord just told me, Peter, you didn't call her. You didn't call that sister. I said, you're right, Lord. I didn't call her. So I just told the sister, sister, you're right. I'm a bad coworker. I'm terrible. And I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'll call the sister. And because I responded like that, the whole situation just diffused immediately. Yeah. She just, she just, she was expecting, you know, some kind of reaction, but, and I just felt happy. I didn't have to maintain some kind of position or some kind of, yeah, just, I'm a bad coworker. I blew it. I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, just the Lord is just right there with us in every situation. If, if we just keep, we'll learn to live by our spirit, Amen. our mingled spirit, where the Lord is, you know. And so, brothers and sisters, honestly, I mean, I just try to pray this prayer every day, this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, please strengthen my spirit today please amen may the spirit my spirit become the strongest and the most leading part of my entire being we all amen. need to pray this kind of prayer amen and we all need to pursue and exercise to live like this yes you know to live by your spirit and to walk by your spirit it's a it's an exercise it's it's an exercise. Amen. It's like it's like working out, and and pray reading, calling, and fellowshipping with the Lord. That's that's how we work out. And so may the Lord strengthen all of our spirits, so that Christ and the reality of all that He is could be real to us. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, brothers. Uh, we'll move on now to the next uh, question. And uh, this one I'll direct first to Brother Willie. And um, so, you know, again, uh, it starts out with, I'm confused. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm confused because the saints often say to accept all our situations from the Lord. However, Shouldn't we also be humanly responsible and deal with the situations? I'm confused with how to address situations humanly while also accepting them as from the Lord at the same time. I feel like if I'm being responsible and trying to fix a situation, then I'm not accepting it as from the Lord. But if we accept all difficult situations as from the Lord and don't humanly deal with them, how can we live a proper and normal human life? I would uh, begin this way. <clears throat> All of us are confused. Uh, <laughs> it just depends on which realm 
we are living in. And I have, in my experience, uh, lived in a, a certain realm. And in that realm, there's division, confusion, chaos, and so forth. Mm. Um, and so I would just open that way that uh, the source of how we address things is critical. I would like to say this, all of our responses is going to be based on what the two brothers, Ray and Peter mentioned already, <clears throat> and that is the spirit and the word. Everything has to be from these two sources because in God's eyes, as you know, the asker of this question and all of us, there's only two sources in the universe. Right. And so either we are uh, focused on one and living out that one, or we're focused on the other and living that one out, living that source out. There is a verse that kind of really sets the tone for all of our fellowship. There, well, there are several verses that I would like to highlight. One is what a senior coworker uh, gave to us recently in one of our conferences, and you may have heard this verse, it's Amos chapter three, verse seven, and it reads like this. Surely the Lord Jehovah will, do, will not do anything unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Obviously in reality, in the spiritual realm, we are, we have three statuses at the very least. One is a king, we are to be kings. The other is uh, priests, according to Revelation chapter one. And the third, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we are all prophets, we all can prophesy. So <clears throat> at, in that status, at, at, at the very least in this third status as prophets, the Lord is always revealing things to us and what he wants to do and how he wants to carry them out. Um, and, uh, and where is this revealed? Well, of course, intrinsically in our human mingle spirit, but outwardly we need something to match it as we have been trained and learned in the ministry that we need two things. We need a live wire, we need a ground wire, we need the spirit and we need the word. So I would like to focus us in response to this uh, before the brothers uh, add their portion, I would like to focus us on several portions in the word. Saying this first, that also we know from this ministry that we have been enjoying and hopefully all of you are enjoying that we have to be governed by several things, at least three, at least three. Number one, we have to be governed when we read the word we have to be governed by other portions of the word. The word interprets itself because the word, as we all realize, is a person. So we have to be governed by other portions of the word, number one. Number two, we have to be governed by 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and that's the eternal economy of God. Uh, that is... Paul says there, and we, I think 
you, the majority that are on here are aware of these verses. If you're not, uh, they are recommended for your reading. Paul says, uh, I left you here, I'm paraphrasing. He's saying this to Timothy, that you might charge certain ones. Do not teach anything else. Don't teach anything else except God's economy. So we have to be regulated, restric restricted, limited, controlled by the eternal economy of God. That revelation is what directs all of our interpreting of the scriptures. Mm. Number three is we have to be regulated and so forth, restricted, controlled, limited, governed by our corporate and individual experience of this economy. So with those three things in view, when we come to the word, we have to allow the word to speak to, to us with, this, with these three things in view. And then with this, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, there is things in the Old Testament that are written, if you read the first, uh, I believe, uh, 11 verses there, uh, Paul says, the things that were written concerning the children of Israel were written for our help, for our admonition, for our running the race, as he speaks of in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So when we go to the Old Testament, we have to realize that everything there is for the carrying out of the eternal economy of God. Nothing else. Okay. With that in view, I would like to uh, mention a few verses, and I would like to begin in the Old Testament with Joshua chapter 5. And some have, uh, recently I've been, I've been in these verses, and they've been really uh, percolating in my being um, for this one matter, and that is this. And everything that we do, everything that we do, we have to do based on our standing or based on the source. And the source in Joshua 15, uh, chapter 5, verses 13 through 15 is this. There, and I, and I will just give you a little reminder of the story there, the children of Israel are about to take the town of Jericho. Joshua, who is to lead them in to over, you know, to overturn this first city. This is the first battle. He sees this man. I think you're you all are familiar with this story. He sees this man uh, standing opposite him, and Joshua says, and it it almost gives you the feeling like this that he did not recognize this man. He goes, "Are you for us? Or are you for our, our adversaries?" It was. You know, it was almost like, Joshua, don't you know who this man is? And this is related a little bit to what Peter was saying is, dear asker and dear everyone, we need to see this man. <clears throat> and Joshua, and then the man responded to Joshua when he asked the question, are you for us or for our adversaries? Joshua responded to this man. Uh, uh, excuse me, this man responded to Joshua, I'm sorry. 
and said neither. And soon as he said that, something came out of his mouth. The word came out of his mouth. He breathed out something, and what he breathed out was the spirit. And at that point, Joshua bowed down, and then, you know, and so forth. You, you read the story. Anyhow, Joshua says this, and my question has always been, Joshua, why didn't you say this at the very beginning? But anyhow, he finally said this, what does my Lord say to his servant? And it's quite interesting what the Lord said. He did not give them a uh, strategy of how, a military strategy of how to overthrow, overthrow uh, and take Jericho. You would think, according to Joshua chapter 8, there is a military strategy. It says, okay, set an ambush and so forth. Read Joshua chapter 8 and the, children, the people of Ai. However, he didn't say that in Joshua chapter 5. He said this. He said, take off your shoes. Take off your shoes. For the ground where you stand is holy. Which means this, that our standing should be a standing in sanctification. Our sanctification comes with being one with the sanctified one. Satan is always trying to get us off of that uh, ground, off of that foundation, off of that standing. And he always wants us to do something. And this, uh, dear ones, uh, is a picture of the Garden of Eden, where there are the two trees, which I, I believe all of you are too familiar with. But consider this, the one tree is very complicated, and that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There are four things on that tree, good, knowledge, evil, and death. On the tree of life, it's very simplistic, just one thing, life. Uh, we have been, in the ministry, we have been very much helped to see that the significance intrinsically of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is an evil person, Satan. But even the more, even more practically, even in a, a much more practical way, the significance of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is this. It is to do and to know. Man wants to do and man wants to know. If you look at uh, other verses in the Old Testament, it's all about don't do. It's about waiting. And I, I, I jotted a few down for our reference. And this one is in Isaiah chapter 30. And would just like to read it to you. It says this, this is Isaiah chapter 30 verse 1 and 2. Woe to the rebellious children, declares Jehovah, who devise counsel, but not of me. In other words, you're your own counselor. You know how to handle situations. You, have, you know what to do. But here he says, woe to you. You make, you, 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 you devise your counsel, but it's not from me. And, and so this is our, 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 our loving um, encouragement. Trust Jehovah. And I have some verses to that uh, effect as well. But let me continue the reading. And it says, and who make an alliance? And who make an alliance 
but not of my spirit. Uh, here, if you look at verse two, it says, who go down to Egypt. And I would recommend, there's a footnote on Egypt here, and I would recommend that, but I wanna turn uh, to Hosea. And this is Hosea chapter seven. Uh, I wanna pick this up uh, in reference to Egypt. And it says this, this is Hosea chapter seven, verse 11. It says this, and Ephraim has become like a silly dove without understanding. They call to Egypt, they go to Assyria. Of course, when the children of Israel, you know, with the famine, they went to Egypt. Uh, one of the kings hired this Assyrians to help them and so forth. This is in typology, in picture, this is our trying to do something to solve our situation, uh, the things that we, where we find ourselves regardless. And we, we understand, for sure, we understand that there are a lot of human situations that are extremely difficult. Uh, my wife and I are in the midst of one right now, but, but we have to resist trying to address these situations under our own understanding, under our own counsel, even when we say that, and, and I fully agree, we have to be human, but, uh, and we have to be proper human beings. However, uh, the more spiritual we are, the more human we are. Amen. In, in, in Ezekiel chapter 41, there is the temple there. In Exodus, and I, in the, the uh, chapter escapes me, 20, 29, 26, somewhere in there. I'm very sorry. It escapes me right at this moment. The temple there or the tabernacle there, which is a precursor of the temple in the good land, the tabernacle in, e in Exodus, there are the acacia wood overlaid with gold. But in Ezekiel, the temple there, there's no gold. It's all wood. It's all acacia wood. And you read the footnote. It's Ezekiel chapter 41, verse, uh, I have it written down here, verse 16, and read the footnote. That means that the main portion, the main focus of the tabernacle, the, the temple there in Ezekiel is humanity. So the, the more spiritual we are, the more human we are, and the more proper we are, and this keeps us on the ground of sanctification. And we are not lured off of our, our standing by the evil one to try to do something for the Lord to solve situations under our own counsel. This is, according to those verses in Isaiah, something that is distasteful in, in the heart of the Lord. Uh, now, now, I have these verses that I wanted to bring up, and this is in Proverbs chapter 16, and uh, I'll just paraphr 
paraphrase it this way. It says, blessed uh, is he who trusts in Jehovah. This verse and others that I have here are very much in keeping with this other verse that I think will drive a lot of our fellowship. And this is in Jeremiah. And I think um, uh, many of you uh, know these verses, but they are so, uh, <clears throat> I don't know what, how to explain it. They're just alive in my being and they are controlling, which they should, uh, all of our fellowship, all of our doings, all of our trying to handle situations, all of our situations should be handled in and through and by the Lord. <clears throat> so I, I like this entire chapter of Jeremiah chapter 17, but in particular, it first, initially, look at verse five. Verse five says this, thus says Jehovah, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his arm and whose heart turns away from Jehovah. So when you are saying yes, and, and I will go back to the question, uh, which reads this way, uh, uh, I feel like I'm being, I feel like if I'm being responsible and trying to fix a situation, then I'm not accepting it as from the Lord. But if we accept all difficult situations as from the Lord, and don't humanly deal with them, how can we live? Well, the way to live a proper, how can we live a proper and normal human life? The way to live a proper and normal, normal human life is to wait on Jehovah, plain and simple. And I'll give you an example in a second. Uh, uh, <clears throat> look here in verse, in, in Jeremiah verse, uh, chapter 17, verse seven. It says this, and this is, I read the verse, a corresponding verse in Proverbs uh, chapter 16, verse 20. Blessed is the man who trusts in Jehovah and whose trust in every situation, I'm adding this, in every circumstance, regardless of the severity, regardless of how light, uh, regardless of anything, if Jehovah, can't solve the situation, surely proper human beings can't either. And it says, so it says here, blessed is a man who trusts in Jehovah and whose trust Jehovah is. It doesn't say blessed is a man who trusts in some things. It says blessed is the man who trusts in Jehovah and whose right. trust Jehovah is. Amen. And then it says, verse eight, you know, he'll be, he will be like a tree transplanted beside water. I would uh, commend this to your reading, but remember, take the context of all of chapter 17, all of chapter 17, and that is uh, the trusting of Jehovah. If we do not trust Jehovah, verse nine says the heart is deceitful. We always lift that out. So the heart is deceitful above all things and is incurable, who can know it? But, but a deceitful heart, is related to not trusting in Jehovah in, and I repeat, every situation. Right. The more I, and I go back to what I just uttered, the more spiritual I am, 
the more proper I am as a human being. And the Lord Jesus was such a proper human being. This is why, and Paul was also, this is why Paul says, I can do all things in every situation. In Philippians chapter four, verse 13, I can do all things by, by being proper. I can do all things by being a normal human being. No, he said, I can do all things in him who empowers me. And when I am in, when I am in him, I am a proper, normal human being. I like, and I, I just want, and I'll turn it over to the brothers and probably come back. I really like this fellowship in um, Luke chapter seven. Luke chapter seven. There, you know, Luke is on, you know, the proper servant, uh, proper, ma proper man. Matthew, we know, is on the king and the king with the kingdom. Mark is on the servant. We know this. That's the gospel on the servant. And John is a gospel on Christ as life or Christ as God. And um, we know that. And Luke is a gospel on a proper man, a proper man. And in chapter seven, we see this proper man really taking care of situations. If you look at Luke chapter seven, and this one, this, this one uh, I really am touched by. And here is this proper man being asked to heal this Gentile uh, slave, this Gentile slave. And, um, and then he, he does it. Then there's this woman who is just, oh, she's, she's just distraught. She's a widow, and then her only son dies. And then the Lord, without even being asked, his human compassion comes out, and he touches the funeral buyer, and he lifts, the, he resurrects this one. He lifts him up. He raises him up. But then this proper human being is told that his relative is in prison, and about to, you know, and, and we know he was beheaded. And this proper man doesn't go. He doesn't go. He doesn't go to save him. Then we, we know in the ministry that these three cases go together. These three, three cases go together. The centurion, the widow with her son, and John the Baptist. Why? Well, dear saints, I would say this, and I say this because I've read it in the ministry, and I would say this because also it is my experience, which I said my wife and I <clears throat> had this experience, and that is he saved. So he showed forth these two, uh, the centurion and the son. He, saved, he healed one and he raised another from the dead. This shows forth his divinity his power. But the third one, he didn't. He didn't do anything. Why? The reason is, which we are, we've, we, we have been uh, told in the ministry, and, and again, I'll get to the, my experience. He didn't, because it says this, blessed is he who has not stumbled in me or because of me. 
In our now, now our example, my wife and I, we we have five children. We lost one. We lost the third one. And uh, it was a very very difficult situation. It was an impossible situation. We prayed. We asked the saints all over to pray. The saints prayed. Finally, before her seventh birthday, about two, about uh, 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 six weeks before her seventh birthday, she passed. I recall, uh, sometimes it's difficult for me to recount this story, but I will try. I recall being in the hospital there, an impossible situation. I had no desire to, to speak to anyone. I had no desire for the gospel. I had no desire. Uh, we were in the waiting room and some were trying to sing. I had no desire to sing. I went in the, the, uh, uh, the lab, the restroom and I looked in the mirror. Tears. I had no way to comfort my wife. It took us 10 years to talk about it with each other. We just couldn't. I had no way to comfort her. Hmm. And uh, this, uh, eventually I looked in the mirror and, and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why? I would gladly. <laughs> I would gladly change places with her. And the Lord said this to me, don't ask me why. Mm. I said, amen. The tears dried up. I walked out in the waiting room. Anyway, I think that's good enough. And then these verses came to me, blessed is he who has not stumbled because of me. Wow. If the Lord does it, can I say amen? Of course I can say amen if the Lord saves her. But yeah, can I yeah. say amen to him if he does not? Wow. An impossible situation. Ooh. And humanity, everything went out the window. All I wanted was my little girl. <laughs> my little girl. Anyhow. Anyhow, there's more. I, I think I will pass it off to the brothers and then come back. That's anyway, brothers, feel free. I think I'll pause right there. I have some more verses. Amen. As I read this question, I, I, I just thought, <laughs> yeah. You know, we're all in situations that need fixing. But, uh, you know, uh, okay, there's, there's these couple phrases. There's situations that need fixing and bearing human responsibility and accepting that situation as from the Lord and that somehow these are in, in conflict or something mm -hmm. like that. And so I just feel like... Um, Again, uh, you know, our, our saints, we need to be brought back to, to Christ and um, our responsibility as, as uh, 
as believers is just to be open vessels to receive the dispensing of Christ and to live Christ. Uh, that's our responsibility. Okay, so let's let's take Paul for an example. Okay, so Paul in, in Philippians chapter 1, I mean, he's in a situation. And the guy's in prison. And, uh, and then yet... Yet in that prison, uh, is he trying to fix the situation? I don't know. But one thing for sure, he has an aspiration in that situation. And that aspiration is that through the saint's prayer and through the bountiful supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, that whether he lives or whether he dies, that Christ would be magnified in his body. And so I just feel like whatever situations we're in, that's, that's what's going on. And it's not like you just lay down and die. Okay, how about the shipwreck in Acts chapter, what is it? What is it? What, 27, what is the 27 and 28, 27. Okay, 28. so he's on this shipwreck. He's on the shipwreck. And they've been many days with no food and all hope of being saved is lost. Now that's a situation and it needs fixing. But so <laughs> Paul is there living Christ. He's, he's, he's contacting the Lord. He's, he's enjoying the Lord in that situation. And the Lord comes to him. The angel comes to him and said, Paul, you must be in Rome. And the Lord has delivered to you all these guys on the boat. And so then Paul, he goes up and he says, man, you should have listened to me. You should have listened to me. <laughs> but the Lord, he said, cheer up, men. The Lord has shown me we'll all be spared. And uh, I mean, he became the commander of the, of the whole situation. Right. And then there's a great footnote there uh, concerning how Paul... Uh, in all of these situations that need fixing. He's just living Christ. Is Jesus living again in his divinely enriched humanity? Amen. And that's, that's, that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. I don't know about accepting. It sounds like, you know, accepting situations from the Lord to see if I do it's like you've become passive and you just kind of lay down and accept everything that comes your way. I don't know. Uh, but saints, in whatever situation is, every situation is just an opportunity for us to exhibit, enjoy, and magnify Christ, who is one spirit with us. And that's what he wants. Jesus living again in every situation that needs fixing. So anyway, that's all I got to say. Amen. Amen. Willie, if you have more, go ahead. Yeah. Um, in every situation, um, and you look at, especially in Isaiah, you look at this, and that is, those who wait upon the Lord. Mm. This is always a test to us, uh, dear everyone, 
This is always a test to us. Uh, the Lord is, it seems like the Lord is always, and I, I will say it this way, dragging his feet in certain situations that just seem unbearable, uh, unsolvable, uh, horrible. Uh, it just seems like the Lord drags his feet. Of course, there when Lazarus in chapter uh, 11 of John, you know, he intentionally waited four days. But with Saul in 1 Samuel, uh, he's, you know, Saul, Samuel told Saul, wait, go to, I think it was Gilgah, um, and I'll be there and so forth. And then Saul, when he saw that Samuel delayed, he uh, offered, uh, which he offered sacrifices, which he was not supposed to do because he was not the priest. And then Samuel got there and said, what'd you do? He said, well, I, 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 you know, and I, the Philistines were against us. And, and so I forced myself to the offering, to offer the offerings. And uh, at that point, Samuel said what he said, oh, you shouldn't have done that. You should have waited. And dear saints, it, it's, a, it's a huge temptation when something is presented to us that really needs fixing. And, 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 and uh, we, should, you know, we try to do it. Remember that that is what the evil one is trying to, to do to us to remove us from our standing, number one. And so you have all these, uh, you have all these um, verses that, and I had them, I had some of them written down in Isaiah, which is uh, my people, not, that's not Isaiah. Uh, it, it'll come to me where it says, uh, my people stumble because of the lack of knowledge. Do you know where that is, Ray or Peter? My, speak, my people stumble because of the lack of knowledge. And I just, I think it's in Hosea, maybe. Um, anyway, the knowledge that, the living knowledge that we need, dear saints, and dear everyone, dear friends, is the, the living knowledge that we are soil. And the creator of the universe put himself into the soil. The soil can do nothing except receive, absorb the nutrients uh, from the creator. Or, or let me say it in a New Testament way, enjoy the unsearchable riches of Christ. We as human beings are vessels just to enjoy the unsearchable riches of Christ. We're not to do anything. And the temptation is always, you have to do something. You, know, you have to be responsible. You have to fix. Uh, that might be, I'm not saying it is, but that might be uh, an underlying, underlying thought in our being that the, the creator of the universe is not enough. We mm. cannot do it. We cannot wait. Um, and so I think that it would be very uh, helpful. And I'm trying to find that verse. I think that it would be very helpful. Hosea 4 we, 6, Willie. Say it again. Hosea 4 6. My wife just told me. It is. I, I have. I just turned to it. <laughs> Here it is. Here it is. My people are destroyed 
because of the lack of that knowledge. Mm -hmm. And it says once we, in the footnote, in, um, uh, it says in the footnote, it, it, it refers you back to verse one. And then in verse one, it says, once we forsake God, we can do any kind of evil. Well, what is the primary evil in God's eyes? That's when we are independent right. from God. We don't trust the Lord. We don't wait on the Lord. That's why he says in many places, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Those, I, I really like this portion in uh, Nehemiah chapter eight. And we, and we know the, verse 10, the last part of that is so familiar to all of us. The joy, the joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. But you have to go, you have to read backwards, read backwards. There's one thing that, there's one portion in that verse 10 that says, don't be grieved. I don't know if you know that. And then, then it goes back to the word. So it brings us back to the word of God again and again. So the, 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 the point that we are trying to uh, make is this. And I like this verse. Uh, listen to Jehovah. Uh, Je uh, here's the other one. Uh, uh, okay, anyway, I'll find them again. The, 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 those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And this one here in Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. Instead of addressing the situation, instead of worrying about anything, take the Lord's thought, which is higher than our, our thought. And what is the Lord's thought? And the Lord's thought is this, that we would enjoy him according to Jeremiah chapter two. See, I like to give you a lot of verses. I'm really enjoying just reading the Bible. And I hope that this is an encouragement to you to get into the Bible and get into the Old Testament as well, because it's applicable for our experience right. of Christ today, of Christ today. So Isaiah chapter two, uh, Jeremiah chapter two says, take me the fountain. In other words, they have forsaken me is how it says, but I'm turning it to the positive. Take me as a fountain of living water and don't go to other things, you know, hewing out cisterns, even broken cisterns. That's how the verse reads, but I'm changing it to the positive because this is how I pray to the Lord. And I would encourage you to pray this way. Lord, I want to take you as a fountain of living water. Okay. So if you look at Isaiah chapter 55, it says, come to the water. So the first requirement Dear saints, when, we, when we're tempted to fix things, look at Isaiah 55, 1. Come to the waters. And then it, the water is free. And then, uh, uh, you know, come and obviously drink. And then look at verse 7. Isaiah 55, 7 says, let the wicked. What is wickedness in the, in the eyes of the Lord? Don't come not to come and drink. That's wickedness. What is wickedness in the eyes of the Lord? Not to trust him. What is wickedness in the eyes of the Lord? Not to wait on him. What is wickedness in the eyes of the Lord? Try to fix something when you, it looks like the Lord is not doing it. Listen, the Lord is doing it, but life is slow. Nothing escapes his eye. Nothing escapes his eye. So look at this. Let the wicked forsake his way 
and the evildoer his thoughts. If you read the footnote on evildoer, it says this, and, and I'm just reading. In the eyes of God, the wicked one, the evildoer is the one who does not come to drink of him. And then if you go to Isaiah 57, and this is verse 20, and uh, it says this, but the wicked, but the wicked are like the tossed sea, for it cannot be calm. Mm. And its waters, its waters toss up mire and mud. Okay. Then if you look at the footnote, this is footnote, this is in the recovery version. I hope you have everyone has one. If you do, I would I would uh, point you to this footnote. It says this. Uh, the evil condition of the wicked is that they do not come to the Lord to eat and enjoy the Lord. They do many things. They do many things. <laughs> they do many things, but they do not come to contact the Lord, to take him, to receive him, to taste him, and to enjoy him. In the sight of God, nothing is more evil than this. Wow. We're not here to try to, you know, stir up your emotions. We're not here to try to uh, tell you that you're off. We're just here to try to focus you on a living person. And that person is embodied in his word. Get into his word and see how he feels about any and every situation where we find ourselves. My wife and I are in another situation right at this very moment. And we want to try to fix it. And we keep reminding ourselves, those who, in, I like this song, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew, you know, their strength and so forth and so on. So uh, our, our recommendation, strong recommendation is wait on the creator of the universe. Yeah. That's our strong recommendation. Hey, go ahead, Ray. Now, Willie, I, I, I really appreciate your fellowship, and it's touching. You know, uh, I, I maybe just one thing I would add, uh, and this has been a help to me too. Uh, when you get into the life study of Job, mm. of course, he's. He's an example of someone dealing with a lot of situations, right? And ultimately, in the life study of Job, Brother Lee says there should be two words in our spiritual dictionary. Mm. One is Christ, mm. because Christ is the center of God's economy. Mm. And all the situations we face, every one of them, health, family, jobs, world situation, uh, schooling, failing a test, relation, broken relationships, all of the situations are there. You can analyze them. You can try to understand them. But eventually, those situations are all allowed by the Lord for the sake of his economy. Mm. because mm. he wants to dispense Christ into us. 
And so the situations come to us just humanly, every kind of thing. They're, they're either arranged by the Lord or allowed by the Lord so that we can gain Christ. Amen. That's Amen. the target. That's the target. And that is God's economy, is that in his economy, God can add Christ into every one of us, where Christ eventually makes his home in our heart. So two words in our spiritual vocabulary. One is Christ, because he's the, he's the aim. He's the target. We need Christ. We need Christ to grow in us, mm. eventually to the point where we magnify Christ. Mm. But the second word, Brother Lee points out, is the second word in our spiritual vocabulary should be stripping. Because what we see in Job is an example of this kind of stripping. And we all pass through these things where the stripping is this process of the Lord by which he takes away, he removes, he strips away those things that we rely on other than Christ. Mm, 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 mm. You will see this in the Job life study. Amen. So that eventually Job at the conclusion of the book, he says, I had heard of you by the yes. hearing of the ear, Amen. but now my eye has seen you. Job is describing his experience of passing from an objective knowledge of God into a subjective knowledge of God. And this is the experience we all need, not just to know about the Lord, not to know about all the things of the ministry, the things that the saints talk about in the church life in an objective way. We need to know about these matters in a subjective way a personal way where these matters are real to us. And so what the Lord needs to do with each one of us, because we're thick, we're stubborn, we're rebellious, <laughs> yeah. you know, he, he needs to bring us through these kinds of often difficult, painful experiences so that the Lord can be real. So that Amen. he can be added to us. Amen. I'll just say that. Amen. I would just add this one verse for you all to uh, look at. Uh, it's, an it's an encouragement there. The verse that we all know in Daniel chapter 3, verse 25, in the fiery furnace. There's a horrible situation for those three. And the Lord doesn't save them. He gets in there with them. All of our situations, the Lord is in there with us, whether we realize it or not. So I just reread that and prayerfully uh, contact the Lord over that, and you you will be very much encouraged. Sorry, Amen. go ahead, Trevor. Sorry. Amen. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna move on to a new question here, and I'm gonna just quickly direct this to Peter. Um, and this this question is, how do we practically deal with our love for the Lord for the world? I need to practically deal with my love for the world. Wow. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, Lord Jesus. You know, actually, I think the answer to this question um, 
is is similar to the to the answer to the first question. Um, you know, the first question for the first question related to Christ being the the solution to all the problems and uh, being everything to us. You know, you need to have a vision of Christ to see that. You, you really need to have a revelation of who Christ is. Amen. You know, before you can before you can experience that or know it or anything. And related to the world, brothers and sisters, it's the same thing. You, 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 first of all, you need to see what the world is. You got to have a vision of what it is. And I'm afraid that, you know, many of us, we, we don't know. We don't know what it is. We don't know really. I mean, may, maybe we have some kind of general understanding, but um, there's a book called The Heavenly Vision. And actually, there's a conference that we had that was the it was called the Heavenly Vision, right. and there's all kinds of visions in there, like the vision of God's economy and the vision of Christ and and uh, the vision of uh, the church and uh, the vision of the self. <laughs> we need a vision of the self. What's the self? And then we need a vision of the world. And then there's this great outline on the on the vision of the world and what it is and you know the vision of the world starts in uh in starts in genesis chapter 4 verse 16 oh man it's that is the somebody recently said it is that is the saddest verse in the bible is genesis 4 16 you know what that verse says you know what that verse says? It says that Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, why did he do that, man? Cain, you dummy. Yeah. Why did you do that? Anyway, he goes out from the presence of the Lord. And then he becomes a wanderer in the land of wandering it's the the word nod means wandering so he becomes a wanderer nod and then all of this stuff um, he begins the, the the world begins to develop you know uh the the all the matter of music and protection and provision and, you know, for all these things that uh, he has to, he has to develop for his existence. And, oh my, you know, brothers and sisters, I picked up a book called Love Not the World. I was 19 years old. And it was in the middle of finals week. And I started at about 10 o'clock at night. And I finished it at three o'clock in the morning. I just couldn't put it down. And the light from that book just was flooding out of the pages yeah. related to the world. I just couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I thought the world was great. Yeah. I thought the world was great. It was, you know, man, I, I you know, I love the world. I think it's great. 
oh my goodness, I did, never saw how much everything, entertainment, education, culture, uh, everything is, is, is a part of the world system organized by Satan to, uh, 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 to, to allow or to help or to facilitate man to live without God. Right. Mm. And, 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 and I just, I was shocked. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I, and I began to speak some, speak some things, you know, to my parents and stuff. They said, man, what are you talking about? Yeah. The world is good. The world is good. <laughs> we should love the world. So anyway, I would just encourage you all to get into some of these uh, messages on the world and, and just pray over them. Uh, I, I'm going to read you uh, uh, a, uh, uh, let's see, I think I've got it here. A, uh, just, just a point from that outline on, on, on uh, its very last point of, of the a heavenly vision on the message, I think it's message, uh, what message is it? It's message um, five, message five or week five. And uh, the very last point of the outline, it says, only by receiving a revelation of the nature and significance and result of life in the world and a revelation of God's attitude such towards such a life that we can truly become detached from the world and hate the worldly life. Uh, mm. If we have a detailed vision of the world, we shall know God's attitude toward it and we shall spontaneously cease to love it. If we would be God's dwelling place on earth, we must know the world in a thorough way and the element of the world must be purged out of our being. Okay, anyway, so I read these messages and I got clear about the world, but I still loved it. <laughs> I, I, I still loved it. And, and so... But I knew I shouldn't love it. And oh, my goodness, I would read, you know, uh, right. First John, you know, if anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Who's ever a lover of the James, you know, who's ever a lover of the world is, is, is enmity. He's an enemy of God. And I said, I don't want to be an en enemy of God. I don't, I, but, I, but I love the world. So... I began to have transactions with the Lord. Amen. And I began to confess my love. And I didn't try to hide it or try to, you know, kind of generate some hatred for the world. I just said, Lord, I love the world. I confess my sin. I love the world. And I choose to love you. I use my will. And I choose to love you. And I choose to reject the world. And I did this for quite a period of time. Mm -hmm. And at first it was not so easy. It was not so easy, but all of a sudden in a couple 
after a period of time, I can't really recall how long it was, something began to turn in my being. And guess what? I love the Lord Jesus. I love the Lord Jesus. And I did, I just, in the world, I just, I have no interest in the world. No interest in it. And in the, and uh, I, my feeling becomes one with the Lord's feeling related to the world. So, okay, two things, saints. You all need to be clear. What is it? What is it? And, and you got to get into those, those writings, Brother Nee's stuff, you know, Love Not the World. And, and, and I will recommend to you that morning revival that on the conference, The Heavenly Vision and, and Message 5. I would recommend you that. Amen. Get into it. Get into the verses. And just have some transactions with the Lord. Be transparent with him and tell him what you want. Lord. I want to love you. I want to love you. I want to hate the world. I want to hate the world like you hate the world. And he'll make it happen. Amen. This thing with the world, of course, this is something we, we all contend with because we all live in the world. None of us lives in the clouds. Uh, we all live in the world. But like Peter said, I think one thing that's really necessary is that there's a vision, that there's a revelation, that we see something concerning Christ, and we also see something concerning the world. And one thing that is helpful, I, I believe, is even the Lord's characterization of Satan. He describes Satan as the prince of the world. And so that indicates Satan rules over the world and ultimately is the source of so many things in the world. Uh, you know, when I first, you know, I was raised as a Catholic in New York and uh, then became a believer at the very end uh, after I graduated university. Uh, and I love the Lord. I had a very, I had a dynamic experience of salvation and I was in love with the Lord Jesus. Uh, but I didn't really know Christians at all. So I really didn't have any kind of fellowship. And if you met me before I came into the recovery, but after I had become a Christian, you probably would have no idea. But, uh, when we met the brothers in the church life, uh, it's quite interesting. We were both attracted by, uh, by the fellowship, but also uh, put off by the idea of, this, of the fellowship with the brothers because we had a problem when we saw the brothers, when we fellowship with the brothers, when we came together with the brothers, we realized just through their through the shining, really, that in their in their fellowship with us, we realized, and I, certainly I realized this over a period of time, that really I love the world, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to give up the world. Mm -hmm. But when I looked at the brothers, they looked to me, and and, and not just, I don't mean by appearance, but I mean just 
their manner of living and and what they were for and we realized these brothers were really consecrated to the lord the lord was the preeminent one to them yeah. but for me loving the lord and being in the world was working out pretty well for me i was happy i was thankful that i was saved but i also still had a lot of my heart was still in the world and i was walking both sides of the street and it was working for me but then when i met the brothers the lord was giving me some trouble he was bothering me and eventually uh the brothers invited us to a conference and I knew if I went to the conference, something was going to happen. I don't know if you ever had that experience. You know, for me, uh, I, you know, I just knew my, these, these people are serious about Christ. They're serious about following the Lord. They mean business with the Lord. And I liked that on the one hand, because I love the Lord. On the other hand, uh, well, they were a little bit much. And so I wanted to stay back and just watch. But when they invited us to this conference, I knew I, if I went, something was going to happen. And I, I started to deal with the Lord because the Lord was telling me to go. And I was literally driving away from New York City where the conference was being held. I was headed up to Connecticut. And on the way, as driving across the bridge, the Lord was telling me, you need to go to the conference. And he wouldn't let me go. And time and again, he just said, you need to go. And I would say, no, I'm not going. And I had this kind of debate with the Lord, but the Lord was relentless. And finally, I broke down. I said, Lord, okay, I'll go Monday morning, the last meeting. <laughs> when I when I when I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'll go Monday morning. He 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 backed off because he knew all he needed to do was get me there for one meeting. And so Monday morning, I I got up, got up early, had to drive back down from Connecticut into New York. It was Labor Day weekend in New York, and 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 we were having this conference. And I walked into the conference and I was late. The brothers saved me a seat on the front row. And there in that meeting, uh, the Lord just captured me. And I moved into the brother's house that week. <laughs> and I got a haircut and the whole works. And uh, I just knew that I had to take this way. That if I was going to be a human being, if I was going to be a man, I needed to be a Christian. But if I was going to be a Christian, I needed to take the way of the Lord's recovery. Amen. And so by his mercy, he brought me into the church life. Now, in order to do this, to live this life, yes, I realize there's a price to pay. And what's the price? The world. Give it up. Give it up. And that doesn't mean we're immune. You know, that doesn't mean we walk on water and live in the clouds. But I have to say one more thing, brothers, and, and, and that is, these days, I feel very much that the Lord is exposing the world to us. 
How can you love the world these days? There's nothing to love. I mean, for example, you can't even go to the movies. You can't go to Broadway. Broadway's been shut down all year. You, in other words, the point is, I believe the Lord is using the current situation to expose the inherent corruption of the world to us. You know, when you go to a grocery store and you buy certain products, it says, uh, use by November 1st, there's an expiration date on everything, right? Well, brothers and sisters, there's an expiration date on the world. And there's an expiration date on all the things of the world. Amen. Amen. And I, I believe that the Lord in this current environment is exposing and revealing to us the actual corrupted situation of the world. Why do I say this? Second Corinthians 4.18. Because we do not regard the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I, I, I believe, saints, that the Lord is training us to value the things that are unseen, because the unseen things are eternal. These are the things of God. Whereas the things that are seen are temporary, when Paul says they're temporary, he's telling us that the things that we see, the world, the entertainment, the culture, the politics, all the things, these things are temporary, meaning these things are corruptible. They all have an expiration date. So it just is so much to our benefit to seek the things which are unseen. Amen. This means living a life of faith. Amen. And so these days, I, I do believe the Lord really wants to deliver us from any kind of love for the world. And I thank the Lord that we are in his recovery where this can be real. Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you, brothers. Uh, I'm going to this uh, next question, uh, and that is, and I'm going to direct this uh, to Brother Willie. So uh, the question reads in this way. Uh, I was reading through Ezekiel chapters 33 and 34. And for those of you who aren't aware of these chapters, uh, the Lord is speaking concerning uh the shepherds of Israel uh, who don't uh, treat his sh sheep properly. And, uh, okay, so the question goes on. I'm a young brother serving with the leading ones in my locality for almost a year. I feel very discouraged by reading these chapters because although it is meant to encourage us by seeing that the Lord is our shepherd and we are his sheep, I feel that I am one of the shepherds of Israel that the Lord is against because of my poor care of the saints and the young ones, etc., even before the leading brothers called me to be with them and to serve and to, and to pray uh, with them. Does the Lord still love someone like me? I'm very confused. 
I'm putting the little hope that remains within me to know if the Lord still loves me in that condition. I would like to know what kind of person he is to those like me that feel this way. If you could fellowship something along this line, I will be very grateful. The, your last point was if you can fellowship with something along these lines. And I think that's what we will attempt to do. Not sure that we will hit the nail on the head, but this is just our poor attempt. Number one, just the mere fact that you have these uh, kinds of things going through you is very positive. Because if you did not care, then it wouldn't touch you at all. And so this is a strong indication that this is the Lord's operate, operation within you. So it's very positive from that viewpoint. It just depends on our vantage point, our viewpoint, uh, and, and the spiritual things in the spiritual realm, number one. Number two is, of course, in all of our fellowship, we have to uh, go back to and uh, keep ourselves in the word of God. And especially, I think, uh, it's so positive that you are reading the Old Testament. A lot of us, and we would have to, have to admit that we do not read the Bible that much. And when we do, we read our favorite portions or we read what portions that we feel are easy to uh, read and to understand. We don't like, uh, in general, not exclusively, not, acro not across the board, but in general, we do not particularly care to read the Old Testament, especially books like First and Second Chronicles. Uh, most of us do not understand Leviticus and so forth and so on. Um, so it's very positive that you're reading Ezekiel, which is not an easy book to understand. Therefore, from taking that uh, as our uh, initial foundation, let me launch into a, a little something and then I'll turn it over to the brothers. And that is this, when you look at the old, entire Old Testament, it's about this here. And this is in Ezekiel chapter one. And remember, do not lift out things out of context. When you read Ezekiel, remember, if you read chapters 33 and chapter 34 on the shepherds and the shepherds that are not that good. And then, then the Lord said that he will shepherd his people. Uh, don't forget the context of the entire Bible, but specifically in this instance of the uh, 17 prophets, five major and, and 12 minor prophets. And Ezekiel is one of the major prophets and they hold the, the overlying, the underlining, the underlining, the uh, basis of the, the prophets prophesying is because of Israel's uh, apostasy. Their going after idols, basically. And we'll see that in chapter three uh, and throughout the book of Ezekiel, especially in our experience, idols in our hearts mm -hmm. in Ezekiel chapter 14. Here, if you look at the footnote in Ezekiel chapter one, footnote four, it says this, and I'm reading uh, uh, the last part of the first paragraph. It says, it was mainly through it was mainly through Ezekiel's prophesying to the people in captivity that they eventually detested the idols 
turn their hearts to God and return to their homeland after 70 years. The point here is that all of us have idols. Uh, and all of us have idols. And uh, the, so the Lord's word and, and the, uh, what controls or what governs the, the prophets is this. And if you look at uh, uh, Hosea chapter one, I like the book of Hosea. I, there's several verses that have just uh, caught my attention in Hosea. But if you look at Hosea chapter one, it gives you a little bit of an overview if you look in the footnote. And Hosea 1.1 1, 1 in the footnote says this, like the major prophets, which I mentioned, and the minor prophets, um, they unveil God's economy, listen, in his loving, in his loving chastisement, not judgment, loving chastisement of Israel, and his governmental dealing with Israel, and his judgment upon the nations who were excessive, whom the Lord used to chastise Israel, they were excessive. So the Lord had to come in and judge them for, for their excessiveness, but also he had to judge the nations anyway that Christ could come. But anyway, it says here, his judgment upon the nations issues. So we have to keep this in a good uh, memory, issues in the manifestation of Christ as a centrality and universality in God's economy to bring in the kingdom, the age of restoration. So the prophets are just for the chastisement. You could say it this way, just for the chastisement of Israel to bring them back to their husband, to detach them from all the other husbands and wives or, or idols and to bring them back so that the nation of Israel can be restored, but mainly for the manifestation of Christ so that the kingdom can be ushered in. Okay, that is what governs all the uh, prophets, all the prophets. So if you, if you continue in Ezekiel, especially in chapter three, you see all the idols, there's a lot of idols. So what the Lord is doing there in chapter 33 and chapter four, 34 is, is loving, warning to all of us, do not be like this, and you don't need to be like this, because I'm not like this. I'm the shepherd. I will do the feed. Attach yourself to me. It's not a discouragement. So it's a, the Lord's loving, loving uh, word to all of us that you have gotten off a little bit. But like I said earlier, the mere fact that you have this question indicates that the Lord is operating in you and he wants to bring you back if you if we you we all heed his warning now on the other side of this and I, I want to be a little bit faster because um, I want to give the brothers an opportunity uh, to chime in uh, but on the other side of this is Satan's condemnation because you are uh, concerned about this, this means you have a heart for the Lord's people. Don't take the thought. Well, I haven't done this, the leading brothers, you know, don't take that thought. None of us are the perfect shepherds. All of us fall short. And we are always the target of Satan's condemnation. Condemnation, anxiety, discouragement is not our portion from the Lord. Our portion from the Lord is he himself. And everything positive, like Peter said in the beginning, that this embodies. And this embodies every positive thing uh, in the universe. And so that's our portion. 
And so don't take the condemnation. There are a lot of verses mm. that talk about our, you know, talk about the Lord's provision for our failures. And one that uh, one of the senior co-workers uh, brought up last weekend, actually it was Brother Ron Kangas, I think he was on here uh, previously. And he said this in Micah chapter seven, and I believe it's verse eight or seven and eight, uh, somewhere there. He says, when I fail, and we all are failures, when I right. fail, or when I fail, uh, uh, I will, I, I'll, I'll just get up again. Yeah. So yeah. if you fail in this matter of shepherding, that's okay. So it's really okay. Just get up and go again. Just get up and go again. Here it is. I'll read it to you. Micah 7. And it's verse uh, 8. Uh, but I like verse 7 as well. But as for me, I will look for Jehovah. As for you, dear saint, I don't know if you're a brother or sister, so I'm just going to say brother. For you, dear brother, forgive me if you're a sister. For, uh, for you, dear brother, look for Jehovah. And here it is again. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Mm. Don't take the lie of the Lord. You know, you're a bad shepherd. You know, Lord, now, you know, you go somewhere and just hang up your boots, hang up your spiritual boots and call it good. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Look at verse eight. This is a verse Brother Ron shared with us. Do not rejoice against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I will rise up. Amen. When I sit in darkness, Jehovah, Jehovah will be a light to me. Brother, sister, but brother, get up and go again. And there are many verses, and I have them listed here, where when we fail, sin, world, flesh, self, uh, uh, these verses always give us a way back into the service, into the shepherding, a way back to the Lord himself. Uh, and, 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 and a way to overcome the number one idol. The number one idol, that's me. That's the self. That's me, myself, and I. That's the number one idol. And Satan will utilize that to uh, put us out of, the, out, of, out of function, out of joint. Do not allow it. Do not believe. This is a loving warning there in Ezekiel chapter 33 and chapter 34 to bring us back to the real and full function of shepherding his people. I'm so happy you have a heart even to read yeah. and a thought that, oh, 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 that on the positive side is very good. On the negative side is condemnation, reject, yeah. reject. I, I, I think that Willie's fellowship is absolutely right. And, uh, you know, as I, as I look through the question again, <clears throat> uh, this is a young brother serving for almost a year. And uh, he asks the question, does the Lord still love someone like me? Ah. <laughs> and uh, really, brother. Oh, and as Willie just shared. Oh, you if you want to know about failures, well, you're looking at. <laughs> Real. At least yeah. three of us. No. <laughs> yeah. No way. I mean, we just heard that Peter was a 
is a very poor coworker. Uh, I don't know what Willie and I are, but my, you know, I mean, we could spend hours talking about failures, but thank the Lord we don't have to dwell there. That's right. And uh, like Willie said, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That's right. So, yes, let's just uh, let's just throw the accused. Let's just cast out the accuser of the brethren. That's right. The accuser has been speaking to this young brother, telling him, oh, you're just a failure. You're just like these uh, shepherds of Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Satan, we bind you and we cast you down. Yes. We don't agree with anything that would undermine this brother's uh, heart, his faith, and his enjoyment of Christ. And like Willie said, the very fact that he has the concern is evidence that he has the heart of a shepherd. That's right. That's exactly right. Not all of us, and um, I'll refer to myself, it's easy to uh, to go on and just be work concerned about yourself and indifferent to the needs of the saints. But this brother has a concern. He brings the question to us. And to me, let's just cast out the accuser of the brothers. Amen. Uh, and, and encourage this dear young brother, go on, press on with endurance. Like Willie said, get up and go again you know that's right and uh just continue and 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 let the lord minister to you the oil and the wine amen fly you inwardly with grace amen and just press on to feed the saints at the proper time amen i hope this brother is very encouraged with this fellowship because he should be and we all are you know, we are the apple of his eye. You know, Amen. somehow, even despite the failures, here we are. And and uh, again, oh, I just say, Satan, shut up. Amen. You're done. You're finished. Right. right. And Amen. we go on together. Amen. Really. We all are. We all. We all struggle with the shortages. Uh, I mean, real shortages in in yeah. our service to the to the saints and to the body um but i think this uh yeah i I think brother you're really getting too subjective uh you know okay let's let's just read that verse okay uh, in in ezekiel it says here son of man prophesy against the shepherds of israel all right so the lord is against the shepherds of israel and he says, uh, I lost it there. Uh, uh, and say to the and say to the shepherds, thus says Jehovah the Lord, woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. I mean, does he think this brother is that, is that what he's doing is feeding himself? Okay. Uh, you know, like some of these televangelists, you know. Uh, it's yeah. disgusting, you know. Yeah. You know, I know. So I, 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 the Lord is telling me there's someone out there that's got a hundred dollars in the top drawer of your dresser, and the Lord is touching you to give that one hundred dollars to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
brother, I don't think you're doing that, man. Okay, so uh, you eat the fat and you clothe yourself with wool and you slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the sheep. Well, anyway, brothers, you know, I mean, honestly, I, 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 this, this matter really touches me is that, you know, um, surely our heart needs to be filled with the feeling of the saints and the, and our, our, and for the concern of the saints. But naturally we just, we're just concerned for ourselves, you know? Right. Right. And so I have to confess that. I just have to confess to the Lord, Lord, I'm really good at loving myself. I'm really good at it. <laughs> and and I, just, I just ask you, please, please, Lord, for your own sake, please give me the honor of being pleasing to you. Amen. Uh, you know, of pleasing you and of taking care of 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 the things of Christ Jesus, to be concerned for the things of Christ Jesus. You know, like Timothy, you know, Paul said, for I have none that, that uh, you know, are concerned for, for you, but all seek their own things. So we should have some transactions with the Lord. We just tell the Lord, Lord, you know, I want to, I, I want to be full of concern for you and your body and and I want to be, I want to gain that privilege of serving the saints and shepherding the saints. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Okay, brothers, we have, we have one more question and we have about 10 minutes. So I, we felt that this was a very important question to ask and to end on. And I'm going to actually start with Peter, even though he just ended but go back to Peter on this one. And basically, um, how do I live Christ and not become bitter toward people who have emotionally wounded me? Mm. Mm. Well, we had a lot of fellowship about this question. And, and um, uh, you know, man, we've all experienced this in the church life. I mean, my goodness. We've all been emotionally wounded by by the saints and by the brothers and sisters, and and we've got these these you know these these feelings and, and bitterness within us. And uh, there's one portion that that uh, has helped me, and that is the the record of uh, the children of Israel at the waters of Mirah in in, in Exodus uh, uh, 15. You know, the, the children of Israel, after they crossed the Red Sea, and, that's the, and they began to walk in the wilderness for three days. Mm. And the footnotes say that, that actually, as we begin to walk on the way and resurrection, uh, there's, there's, no, there's no worldly water uh, to quench our thirst. And, uh, you know, we become thirsty. And... Um, we encounter bitter situations in the church life. And I mean, I think every single one of us has, has experienced this. And then, the, and, and so they, they complain to the, uh, Moses and Moses 
went to the Lord and cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed Moses a tree. And he said, cast the tree into the bitter waters. And he did. And the bitter waters became sweet. And this is an experience of learning to apply the cross of Christ to our inward bitter situations. And Amen. oh, the bitters, the bitter waters become sweet. You all need to experience that. You need to experience the Lord in his death and resurrection. Hmm. Then in the later verses, it says that uh, uh, the Lord says to the children of Israel that if you keep my commandments, he says, I will put none of the diseases that I put on the Egyptians. For I am Jehovah who heals you. Heals you. Uh, which indicates that the children of not only was their situations uh, bitter, but they themselves were sick and they needed a healer. And man, that is every single one of us. Man, we really need Jehovah as our inward healer to heal uh, our inward bitterness and offenses, which is not a small thing. Uh, you know, the Lord just doesn't allow his people to be offended with one another. He, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the brothers were bad. If you've been reviled with me, you know, I've been reviled a lot in the church life. I mean, I've been given some good dressing downs. <laughs> and, you know, as a human being, you just get offended. But the Lord just tells us, you know, especially in Matthew 18, you know, you got that, that story in Matthew 18 where there's a sinning brother, brother sins against you. And uh, uh, it's a fact. The, the saints, they, they sometimes they sin against us. And um, in Matthew 18, it becomes clear that the brother sinned against Peter. And so Peter after the Lord tells you how to deal with the situation by being joined to a vital group and praying, Peter asks, "Well, how many, how, Lord, how many, how many times, yeah. how many times do I need to forgive my brother? Seven times?" And the Lord, okay, so the Lord jumps, yeah. And then the Lord jumps into this parable, which is super serious, and he's talking to Peter. Yes, Peter, the brother sinned against you. Yes, you're offended. But let me tell you this story. There's this guy. He owes the Lord. There's a servant. He owes the Lord 10,000 talents. It's like $2 billion. And, uh, and the Lord uh, says, okay, throw him into the prison till he pays every cent. And he begs the Lord, and the Lord graciously is moved with compassion and graciously forgives him all of his debt. And then that one goes out and finds a servant, a fellow servant, who owns it, who owes him one day's worth of wages, lays hold of him and says, pay me what you owe, and has him thrown into prison. And the other servants saw it, and they were grieved, and they told the master. And you know, saints, there's not very many verses in the Bible that says God was mad. With uh, uh, You know, anyway, in the New Testament, anyway, he says the master was angry. And he called that slave and he said, I forgave you everything. 
I gave, I forgave you 10,000 talents and you couldn't forgive your brother a day's worth of wages, you know? And so he throws him into prison and he's got to, he's got to, he'll, he'll remain there until he pays the last lepta, which is, I don't know how much of a lepta is, but it's not very much. And, and then it says this, it says, and so my heavenly father will do to you, Peter, if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. And man, saints, this is hard. This is hard. We, we really, there's just no solution to this problem except to touch the, the healer, Jehovah, the healer, Jesus, the life-giving spirit in your spirit. That's right. He's the only one that can erase bitterness. He's the only one that can fill your heart with love to the brothers and sisters who've offended you and who have even sinned against you. But let's make, let's just get this clear. The Lord does not allow you to remain offended. Wow. And I would just like to end on one thing is that this, don't expect that you're going to pray and it's going to be gone. This sometimes when the situations happen, and uh, there's very un unpleasantness and offense between the, but it takes a long time yeah. to get through. That's but right. I've been through a lot of them. And I can tell you, the Lord is faithful. He's faithful. He's building the church. He's dealing with me. He's dealing with you and he's dealing with me. And he's building up to us to be his That's beautiful right. bride. So, yeah. That's right. I'll just throw in one quick word, uh, Willie, and then pass it to you. Uh, as Peter was sharing, I was thinking of Philippians 4, where Paul says, let your forbearance be known to all men. And uh, this word forbearance means that a kind of considerateness or consideration. And it's a situation where we don't assert our rights. And of course, we all feel, and it is true to say that saints or people should not mistreat us, okay? We, we all agree with that, and we should not mistreat others. Nevertheless, this does happen, and it can even happen in the church. Uh, but this, at many, I would say, most often, often can be a, a kind of test for us and even in another one of those situations where we need to go to the Lord and allow Christ to be added to us. Amen. Uh, where we may just be brought low. We might even be angry, upset, sincerely hurt, feeling betrayed, feeling right. and, and treated unfairly. And, and, you know, on a scale of things, you might be absolutely right that that might have been a, a very unfair kind of situation. But, you know, the world is a place where people are taught to aggressively assert their rights. However, forbearance is something where you realize Christ was one who did not assert his rights. He gave up his rights, even in enduring the 
the, the crucifixion. He was a man who exercised forbearance for sure. And so we really need the Lord in this kind of situation. And, and, and also as Peter concluded, it, it may take time because wounds take time to heal. But I'm, I, I've been helped personally by this simple word about forbearance, not to assert our rights. So Willie, I'll just hand off to you then. The, just to support what Peter and Ray just shared, uh, number one, the one who causes the bitterness or offense, um, a lot of times it's the one who's offended and has more to deal with with the Lord than the one who has caused the offense because they may be completely oblivious to what they have done. In other cases, they are not oblivious. They have done something that wounded us, hurt us, hurt us. Uh, um, but it, it's a re it's a real situation. Bitterness, things that happen to us, it's real. It's very real. There's dissolutions yeah. among us. There's uh, inappropriate things spoken to us. Um, there's there's a lot of things that happen to us that are very real. We're not denying these things. They happen. The right. question is. Uh, it's incumbent upon us to be those who, number one, take care of when it comes to us. And we are not like Esau in Hebrews chapter 11, of course, relating, uh, referring back to his, uh, his action in Genesis there. The main point that I want to say on the positive side is this. The application of the cross of Christ is in the spirit. Come to the Lord. Amen. Come to the Lord. Uh, and then do not, I fully agree with Peter, and this has been my experience as well, expect it to the bitterness, the wounds, the hurts, the offenses to go away in two days, two weeks. Hmm. But they will go away if we are faithful to continue to come to the Lord. Amen. The main point that the Lord is trying to get through in all of us is this. What about you? It kind of reminds me of that portion where John says, hey, Lord, what about that man? Lord said, don't worry about him. Don't worry about him. So in this instance as well, this, this principle be, can be applicable. What about you? Yes, you're bitter. Yes, this did happen to you. Yes, it's real. Yes, it's, it, it's a violation of your rights. But consider the Lord Jesus. He did not cry out at all. They violated all of his rights. Uh, they, I should say, we, we right. killed the Lord Jesus. You know, uh, he had the right to call down angels. He didn't do it. He did not try to avenge himself. He did not try to, he took the father's will and everything that happens it is the father's will. This is a hard word. We understand that. This is a very difficult word to take. Uh, mm -hmm. However, if, if you have another way to deal with it, then tell me and I'll follow you. But right now, I'm convicted, I'm convinced. The only way to deal with any kind of bitterness is to attach myself to the one who, who is our healer and who knows all and who bore off on our behalf. Attach yourself to this one and we will be healed. Amen. Amen. You know, Willie, your testimony related, you know, to that one situation of pray reading. Yes, uh, that was that was inspirational. You know, uh, 
Uh, you know, sometimes uh, we just need to come to the word and pray, read it, pray yeah, over yeah. it, pray, read it. I mean, it, it's, that's the best medicine, man. That's yeah. the best prescription for yeah, inner bitterness is yeah. just coming to the Lord in his word. Pray, yeah. learn to pray. Learn to contact the Lord in His Word. I, I just feel, Willie, that was just a marvelous testimony. Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, I would just say that, you know, uh, uh, Ray, there's seven life studies at the end of Philippians right. uh, about a life of forbearance without anxiety yeah. that are just classic. Oh, they are. They're just unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, man, you, you all gotta, you all gotta read those life studies. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, just yeah. read them. Just yeah. read. Just read. Don't, don't. Just read. And, and I have to say this real quick, Peter. That really happened. I just prayed, and I didn't pray in a in a conventional way. Um, amen. I determined it. No, I used those words as my genuine utterance to the Lord, and He met me. That really happened. Amen. Yeah. Amen.